Glory to God. Is God good or what? Make me feel at home in Mexico. We say it this way. Dios es bueno. Dios es bueno. Todo el tiempo. Todo el tiempo. Ah, see, what you said was God is good all the time. Okay, and then we're going to say it in reverse, okay? So I'm going to say God is good, and you say all the time, okay? Dios es bueno. Todo el tiempo. Oh, man, you guys are bilingual. Thank you for making me feel at home. We, we know that God is good all the time and that all the time God is good. He's a good God who does good things for good people. And I'm just honored and thrilled, Pastor Charlene. Thank you for the invitation to come and share the word at this amazing conference. I mean, it's like being at family. This is my sisterhood. This is my family. I have my brother, my sister, and all my outlaws and in-laws here. Um, we love you guys so much. My husband, Tim, and I feel so comfortable with you. And I know that God has something special for each and every one of us this weekend. We've already been so blessed by the word. How many of you have been blessed by the amazing word that's come forth? And I just believe the Holy Spirit is just going to add to that. We're just going to keep going, and um, he's going to do what only he can do. Yeah. Hallelujah. Let's approach the word in prayer, and then we'll begin. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you that you speak, Holy Spirit, through us. It might not be exactly what I say, but Holy Spirit, you're going to quicken something to someone, and it's going to be what they need to hear. Father, you speak and you accomplish and you do things in our lives. And sometimes it doesn't look like what we thought it was going to look like or it didn't happen how we thought it was going to happen. But, Father, it's going to be exactly what you said. It's going to come to pass exactly what you said. But, Father, we don't want to get caught up in thinking it's this way or that way. We want to be open to the move of the Holy Spirit. We want to be open to new ways of doing things, Lord. And so open our eyes tonight, open our hearts tonight to hear what you're saying through this message. And we give you all the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, tonight I want to talk to you about being renewed, refreshed, and restored by anchoring your soul. Everybody write down the word anchor. anchor. Write down the word anchor faith. Anchor faith. You know? It's, it's only able to be refreshed when you're anchored in something. Because when you feel like you're adrift, and when you feel like you're undone and unconnected and not grounded, you can't be renewed, refreshed, and restored. Amen. You're freaking out. You're feeling undone. And you're feeling like you're being swept away. And that's not what the Holy Spirit has for his children. You know, this morning... Um, we heard some amazing words, and I want to just recap what we've already heard. Pastor Starlene shared about the fact that there's a difference between godly sorrow and worldly fear. And if you don't know the difference between that and have an anchor, you're going to be swept away by worldly fear. How many of you have noticed that worldly fear is sweeping the, the whole world, right? And godly freedom will give you the ability to conquer guilt and conquer the shame that comes with it. She shared that with us. She taught us that we can overcome that. That God's freedom gives us the ability to overcome guilt and shame. She told us, don't react, but respond correctly. You know, you can't be anchored in faith, in the word, if you're reacting all the time. Jesus never reacted, but he always responded. 
Amen. And she said, the way we do this is through humility. To be humble. To be teachable. To have a teachable spirit. To try something different. You know, I mean, thank you for not resisting. Thank you for not reacting when I grabbed your hand and pulled you up and said, are you filled with the Holy Ghost? And you go, no. And, and we, just, we just got on you. You did not react, but you responded to the wooing of the Spirit. That's how we receive when we respond. And then Aaron told us about, you know, guilt-free means you have confidence. When you're guilt-free, you can have confidence because you know God is with you. And there's nothing separating you from Him helping you out. And then she said, and I love this one, she said, tithe. Give the Lord a tithe of every day. Yeah. What was it, two yeah. hours and how many minutes? 40. Two hours and 40 minutes a day. Give God the tithe. Wayne Myers, he's a missionary. He's an American missionary. Been in Mexico for over 60 years. He's 99. He says it this way. He says, when you give because you can't help it, you'll receive because you can't stop it. Amen. When you give a tithe of your time for God to God every day, you'll receive from yeah. God on that tithe that yeah. you give. And then she said, speak to the storm. You know, we just came through a little bit of a, a, a gully washer storm, you know. And we've been speaking to it. We didn't want our hair to get messed up before we came in here. We didn't want our mascara to run, did we? And we have to speak to your storm so that you can get through to the other side. And God wants to get you through to the other side. And I'm going to share some things about anchors that I've been kind of studying. I'm not a maritime expert by no means. But I studied a few things about anchors. And did you know there's tons of different kinds of anchors? And each anchor has a purpose. Some of them are to hold you fast in the bottom of the ocean so that the ocean waves don't move you. And some of them are to help you just drag along slowly through the storm. Yeah. You know, and so it's, it's really interesting. Anchors are kind of cool. Um, and then she gave us one last thing. She talked about doors. And Erin, I have to be honest, I don't know what you were talking about with doors. You started to talk in my mind. You were talking about how doors, there's, oh, I know. Well, I have a saying. Open doors, open gates, open heavens. And so the minute she mentioned the word door, like I kind of went to the spirit and I'm like kind of seeing stuff. And it was like, it was like, Lord, there are doors that you open from the natural realm into the spirit realm. And when you're anchored, when you have confidence and when you're guilt free and you have no shame, you can open that door and step into a realm that you can't see. And suddenly I had a mini vision like Brother Hagen, except mine was a movie. And I saw the movie Monsters, Inc. How many of you have seen that movie? Is that not the greatest illustration of doors opening into another realm? One minute you're in the Monsters, Inc. factory, and the next minute you're in some kid's bedroom. I mean, you got transported by the Holy Ghost. Well, that's what God will do for you and me if we are anchored in Him, if we're confident in Him, if we don't allow guilt or shame of our past or our present keep us locked out of the supernatural that God has for us. So I want to encourage you today, don't let the enemy lock you out from what he has for you. Now I have a little PowerPoint that's coming up behind me and, and they're going to do their best to, 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 to follow along with me. But I just want to say that God wants you tonight to be refreshed, to be refreshed in him. And so I've got some key takeaways. If you don't hear anything else I say for the rest of this weekend, listen to this. These are the highlights. When God shuts the door, don't push it open. Rest in him and wait. When you go through a storm, remember, it will pass. Rest in him and wait. Surround yourself with people that encourage you in the Lord. They'll help you restore your soul. 
encouragement is, come on, sister, you got this. You can do this. Yeah, yeah. You're more than a conqueror in Christ. Yeah. They're not going to start crying with you and pity party you. That's They're right. going to kick your butt and get you up and out yeah. of that situation yeah. to restore your soul. When your home is upside down, so when you get back home and your house is upside down, <laughs> if it is upside down, remember, E.T., Lived with the family for three days, and the mom didn't even know he was there. <laughs> Rest in Jesus. Your home will be renewed. <laughs> when someone blesses you, be grateful. God is renewing you to trust in people again. Sometimes we put up walls because we can't trust people because we don't have confidence, or we have guilt or shame. And God is saying, look, when someone does something nice for you, be grateful and bring down those walls and renew your trust in people. You'll miss your life if you rush through it. So take time to enjoy God and give him glory every day. Don't compare your life to anyone else. God has a unique plan for you. He's going to refresh your life with new dreams. New dreams. New dreams. New dreams. He's going to refresh your life with new dreams so you can dream again. It ain't over, and it ain't too late. Amen. God can restore everything that the enemy has stolen from us, and he'll give us new dreams and new visions and new desires, and he desires to do that. And remember, just like Joshua, the Lord gave him the land, but he had to go in and take possession of it. There was a battle. Every gift of God is not just a gift with no battle. It's not, you know, gimme, gimme, my name is Jimmy. It's I have given it to you. Now go take possession of it. And when you take possession of something, Starlin, I want to give you my glasses. Thank you. She's got to do some work to get that. Yeah. And that's what God is saying. Look, I give you everything. But this is a partnership. And you've got to be anchored in me to understand how I'm going to work with you. A, a, you know, this coastline is like a, a, a sermon. I need those back, actually. <laughs> <laughs> What? Yeah, could you, do you mind staying there just in case we go in the spirit? I'll, I'll let you know if I, I just want to get through this one part. Um, this shoreline is kind of like, um, Pastor Greg was telling me about how there's a ship graveyard out here, and you know, you've got this little river that meets the ocean, and you've got the Columbia River that meets the ocean, and the waters become turbulent. And that's kind of like our life, you know? Our life meets the turbulence of the world. We're like this lazy river just cruising through life, and then we hit this massive ocean, and the two waves begin to swirl. And if we're not careful, it can suck us down into the whirlwind, or it can suck other boats that are passing along our life or trying to walk with us. It can suck them down and out and away from us if we're not anchored. And, you know, today you might be here. And actually, would you play just something soft and sweet? You might be here because you, your marriage, your family, or your job has worn you out. You're like, I'm worn out from 2020, God. You know, 2021 ain't looking pretty groovy so far. But I want you to know that even though you feel bombarded by attacks from the enemy, God is here to give you an anchor for your soul. He's here to renew your dreams and to give you a confidence in his refreshing and restoration process. Jesus poured himself out so that you wouldn't have to. And tonight, I want each of us just to close our eyes right now. And I do want you, you know, I've learned over the last 40 years in ministry that we have to lift our voice so that we can hear ourselves. 
when we cry out to God. God, the Bible says Jesus cried out and people heard it. He cried out on that last day. And he said, if anyone thirsts, come to me and drink. They were in church. And he's asking church people, are you thirsty for me? Do you want to be anchored in me? Do you want to have a part in me and me in you? If you do, come and drink of me. And he cried out in a loud voice to be heard. And Jesus wants you to hear your own prayer. And right now, before we start, I want you to pour out to, Lord, to the Lord what it is. One thing, the most important thing on your list right now, that you need God to renew, refresh, or restore. And I want you to pray it out with your voice. I want you to hear yourself pray. If you need to get off into a corner so nobody else hears you, do that. I want you to stand up. I want you to kneel down. I want you to do whatever you need to do. But I want you to out loud tell God what it is that you need renewed, refreshed, or restored. Because God is going to start with that thing and anchor yourself to Him about that thing. He's going to show you through that thing how He will anchor and sustain and direct your life to come out on the other side of this situation and find a place of peace and rest like we had with Him in the Garden of Eden. So, Father, I thank you. These women pour out their hearts before you. You hear every one. You see every heart. You know every need. And you are able, well able, to meet the needs of every person here, Father. We thank you in advance that you are going to prove yourself strong on their behalf with signs and wonders and miracles, Lord. This is going to be something that's going to be a, a marker in their life. And they're going to know that you spoke to them today, Father God. And I thank you and I worship you for that. He's going to mend your broken heart. He's going to restore your life tonight. You know, I remember shortly before or after I became born again, I was sitting on a swing at a local park in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I was doing the exact same thing I'm asking you to do. I was crying out to God. You know, God, use my life. I, I, I've surrendered my desire to be a famous actress, Lord. I moved out of California back to Michigan, and now I'm in Oklahoma, and I'm, I'm, I'm giving everything I have to you. I've chosen to follow you, Jesus. And I, I always make deals with God. I said, Lord, if, if I'm going to lay everything I wanted down, if I'm going to lay everything I wanted down and give my all to you, then I need to know that you're going to be with me every step of the way. And he said, Rhonda, we are anchored together. We are in the boat together, and I am your anchor. I will keep you steady as you navigate this new life I've given you. And I said, okay, Lord, well, I want to be a general in your army then. I want to, I want to do great things for you. If I'm going to walk away from everything that I wanted to do, Lord, then I want my life to count for something big. I want to do big things, great things worldwide things, Lord. I mean, if you're going to use me, let's do this. And the Lord said, I will, but it will be a process. And you're going to have to be willing to trust me to take you through the turbulent waters, to take you over streams and rivers and raging, you know, um, what do you call those things when they're like raging rivers? Uh, rapids, raging rapids. you got to trust me that I will keep your boat upright I will keep your boat pointed in the right direction. You will not run aground and you will not tip over. And tonight, as you commit to God, 
and consecrate yourselves to hearing him respond to your heart's cry right now. Make a deal with the Lord. He loves that. Malachi says, prove me now in this. If I will not pour out the windows of heaven. When you tithe, he says, if I make a deal with you, door number three. I will pour out the windows of heaven upon you. And you want to have room enough to receive the blessings I'm going to give you. If you'll be a faithful tither with your money, he will pour out his windows with you. Well, I believe he, he likes that same deal with the direction of our life. And I remember sitting on that swing, the sun shining in my face. And joy just filled my heart. And I said, Lord, I know. I know you're with me. I know you will never leave me. And his peace just began to flood my soul. And I knew he had a wonderful future for me. And you know, I love to sing, but I've never made a CD. I have books on the inside of me, and I've not written one. I love preaching God's word, but do you know what I do most of the time? Teach other people. Help other people be successful. I help them be more successful for the kingdom of God. I don't spend any time on Rhonda Rogers Ministries. Never have. Because God has taught me that by me pouring my life out for others, that he would take care of the desires of my heart. When you give because you can't help it, because you just love people, then you'll receive back what you need because you can't stop it. Do you ever see this scripture? It's a healing scripture, Aaron. Because I know healing is kind of one of your things that you would like to camp on. It says, pray one for another that you may be healed. Did you notice it didn't say pray one for another so that they'll get healed? It says, pray one for another that you may be healed. In other words, if you need peace, find somebody else who needs peace and pray for peace for them so that you may be healed. If you've got a healing situation in your body, find somebody else who has a need in their body and pray for their need so that you may be healed. Isn't that awesome? When you give because you can't help it, you'll receive because you can't stop it. Because Jesus is anchoring you to his word. So number one, anchor faith. Write this down. Renewal comes when you're anchored in the Lord. Thank you, Aaron. Appreciate that. Give it up for Aaron, y'all. He gives us great music. Oh, oh, I thought it was Aaron. I'm so sorry, Aaron. Brian. Ryan and your Jennifer. No. <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. So anchor faith. Renewal comes when you're anchored in the Lord. You know, faith, watch this. We talked about it a minute ago, but listen to this quote. Faith makes things possible, not easy. Faith makes things possible, but God never said he was going to make it easy. You're going to have to possess it. You're going to have to go in and do some battle and take what belongs to you. The Bible says the violent go in and they take what belongs to them by force. Amen. The enemy comes in by force and takes things that belong to you. Right? You're right in the middle of texting your notes and preaching and the enemy comes in and he just grabs it out of your hand. And so what are you going to do about it? You're just going to let him walk off with your stuff? No, the Bible says that the bold rise up like a lion and they take back what belongs to them. But only the bold do that. Wimpy people just let preachers walk around with their phones. Get up here, girl. Get up here and get this phone. That's what I like. That's what I like. Take it by faith. Take it by force. It belongs to you. I messed up your thingy. I'm so sorry. No, you didn't. I didn't? Okay. Praise the Lord. 
Faith makes it possible. It doesn't make it easy. She's going to have to battle me. She's going to have to get up out of her seat in front of y'all. She's going to have to challenge the speaker. That's not easy to do. But it's necessary when you're anchored in God to get where you're going. You've got to do things that you're not comfortable doing. You've got to do things you're not comfortable doing. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. And let's read this. I'm reading in the NLT. And these are examples of faith. And this whole chapter, I mean, I wrote it all down, but we won't do it for time's sake. But it's talking about people in the Old Testament and the New Testament who had to get where they were going in God by faith. There was a destiny that, that God had for them. And, and they were in the same boat. They were anchored to him. You know, he says, if you're in me and I'm in you, then you will get what you need. I will give you what you need, but only if you're attached to me and I'm attached to you. Kind of like Aaron's story. She needed to get that trailer here. Yeah, but that yeah. trailer detached itself from her vehicle. And, and that was like a, a hiccup, a side journey that you have to take. When you're not hooked up, when you're not chained in, when the size doesn't match, one little bump can derail you from getting to your destination. And so God wants you locked in. He wants you chained up. He wants that anchor, you know, that, that, that tow truck thing. It's kind of like it anchored on the car to get towed to where it needed to go. Jesus lead you. He's the captain of your boat. He's the pilot of your boat. But you've got to lock in, chain up, and be ready for a ride. Faith shows us the reality of what we hope for because it's evidence, write that down, it's the evidence of things you don't even see yet. Yeah. It's things in your future that you can't see, but faith is the evidence. It's like faith says, it's mine, I have it now, and this is all I need to hold on to in order to possess that. Right. It's not faith is all, well, I hope so. It's an evidence. Our faith is evidence-based. And he says, through faith, the people in the old of olden days, of a good reputation, earned it by faith. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command and that what we now see didn't come from anything that was seeable. It came from God's realm and was brought into this realm. Skip down to uh, verse 10. Abraham was confident, looking forward to a city with eternal foundation, a city designed and built by God. It was by faith that even Sarah, when she was 100 years old, she was barren, couldn't have children, but she believed that God would keep his promise. She had to battle through time. Yeah. She had to battle through time to get what God had promised. Yeah. She had to go years before she actually saw the realization of it. Yeah. But she was anchored to God the whole time. She didn't doubt. She didn't waver. She didn't say, oh, well, I thought God spoke, but maybe he didn't. Huh. No, she was anchored to his promise. And she wasn't going to let him get away with not completing her promise to her. She was going to get what belonged to her. And you and I have to battle that way. God loves it. How many of you are parents? When you were little, did you guys ever wrestle or play around with your kids? And didn't you love it when you would like tackle them and they'd, and they'd fight back and you'd hold them harder to see if they would really fight you to win? And when they did kind of fight and break free, didn't you kind of feel proud of your little kid? That was like, yeah, you did good. You did good. You got, you got the right stuff in you. God loves that in us. He wants to see our fight of faith. And our fight of faith is being anchored in him and to him. You know, there's people, and that's not, that's not just for stuff like Abraham needed a city and Sarah needed a baby and, pe and people needed countries. Well, what about these other people at the end here? Let's go down to um, 
verse 33. Well, let's start at verse 32. He said, how much more do I need to say about faith? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, Samuel, David, and all the prophets. In other words, they all had to live by faith, and they had stories, right? Verse 33, by faith, these people overthrew evil kingdoms. They ruled by justice. They received what God had promised them. They shut the mouth of lions, yeah. quenched the flames of fire, yeah. escaped death by the edge of the sword. Yeah. Their weakness was turned to strength because they became strong in battle. Say battle. battle. And they put on the whole armor of God, right, to put whole armies to flight. The women received their death back to life. But others, look at this, 35. No, we don't like to talk about these guys. But these guys battled by faith. They were anchored to God. But look what happened to them. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. Mm. Wow. Enemy doesn't play fair. No. In 2020, we lost some people because the enemy doesn't pay, play fair. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know why they went home to be with the Lord this last year. We're not going to speculate why they were able to be taken out by the enemy. We're not going to speculate on that. But they are these guys. They did not release their hold on the Lord. Yes. One of our leaders, my director, um, administrator for one of our Bible college campuses, her husband wasn't doing well at home with COVID. And we were out of the country. We didn't even know. They, she didn't say anything to us. She didn't call the, the health care network team in the church. She was just, they were going it alone. They were going it alone. They didn't, they didn't reach out to anyone. We, nobody knew. And as his son is taking him to the hospital because he cannot breathe, on the inside of him, he knew he needed to write a note to his wife because they were going to intubate him. And he knew that he might not come out of the intubation. And something on the inside of him told him, write your wife a note, write her a note. And so one of the last things he did before he left this earth was to write his wife a note telling her that this was not God's fault, telling her that he was fine, that he was good, that he had basically run his race. And he had known for a while that his time on earth was was up. He, he, he would talk about heaven. He had seen glimpses of heaven, not knowing anything that was in his future. He wasn't willing to turn back just because the enemy had attacked his body. He praised God. The last thing he did was praise God on a piece of paper and tell his family not to blame God for what had happened and not to distrust God, but to keep on pressing in. These people refused to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. And you know what? That, that, that sums up the people that, that have gone home before us. And you and I need to run this race and battle this battle anchored to the Lord. In their memory, let's make them proud of our race. Let's be like them, not willing to lay down. You know, God's word is kind of like a megaphone. It's like he's shouting out to, you know, our faith in God's word. He's promised us an anchor for our souls. And it holds us steady, even when our boat is in calm waters, but also when our boat is in stormy waters. You know, boats have to be anchored in harbor. If you don't anchor your boat in harbor where it's safe and peaceful and calm waters, your boat's going to drift around and knock into other boats. You can't get so comfortable in church or in your, around your Christian circle of friends where you kind of release your grip on faith, your, 
your, you know, you got to keep your antenna up at all times yeah. Yeah. because your adversary, yeah. the devil, is looking to see whom he can devour. Yeah. He's going to tip over any canoe that is not anchored yeah. in the calm waters. Yeah. And we have to be vigilant in these last days, the Bible says. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says, That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits yeah. are being renewed every day. You know, people are dying all around us. The Bible says in Psalm 91, a thousand will fall at one side, 10,000 on the other side. But for those that are determined to fight, it shall not come nigh you. We don't want to speculate why it came nigh other people, y'all. We could, we could be doing that until Jesus comes. What we need to focus on is staying anchored in God, that God is good, his plan is righteous, and it's holy, and in due time, We'll find out what, what went on, whether it's in this life or in the next life. Yeah. Anchors, like I said earlier, have many purpose. Every situation you face requires faith in action. Faith applications, just like anchors, are various. Amen. Depending on what you need um, to hold on to. You know, having the right anchor and the right cable. It's not just the anchor, but it's the cable. You might have a million-pound anchor, but if you have a 10-pound cable, you're going to lose yeah, that anchor. Right? What's the cable? The Holy Spirit, yes. But what else can be a cable for you? Yes, that's a good one too. What else? I got one specific. Faith? No, okay, I'll just tell you because we could go here for days. Your church family is your cable. They hold on to you. You're, you guys are in the, in the boat together. You're in this church together. And your brethren, your sisterin in this church can hold you steady. We need each other. There's a, 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 an African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Because yeah. the enemy will take you out. Yeah. You might be a fast runner on the start, but halfway through the race, you might collapse. And if you're all alone in the middle of the Gobi Desert, you're toast. Yeah. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Having the right anchor and the right cable for your boat is important. If you don't have the right anchor and the right cable, rough winds and waters could cause your cable to drag. In other words, you, you don't want to be dragging, and suddenly your boat's adrift. You're kind of drifting away from the things of God. You're drifting away from serving God in the church. You're drifting away from being involved. You get sidetracked by all the nonsense going on in the world or the terror, or the, the, the nervousness, or the news that you see in the world. And people begin to disconnect. And your church, like most churches I know, around the world, and I'm telling you around the world, I'm connected around the world, uh, most churches I know have had people that have gone adrift this year. They've unhooked their cable. They've dropped their anchor and cut the line, and they've drifted away. And they've drifted out of the picture. And it's sad and, and as heart-wrenching as that is, remember, God is able to bring them back. They're like the lost sheep, and God is able to help them navigate their boat back, to come back home, and to be with the sheepfold again. So don't, don't dwell on those that have drifted away, and don't wonder why they've drifted away, and don't let that sidetrack you why they've drifted away. People all over the world have drifted away, and it's, it's a prophetic word. The Bible says many in the last days will drift away. They'll fail to gather. They'll fail to see the significance. They'll fail to appreciate the boat and the anchor and the cable that they're, that they're gathered together with in the safe harbor of this church. 
Rough winds can cause your boat to drag. And it's dangerous. If you're sleeping or swimming nearby, you can, you can get shipwrecked and not even realize it because you're sleeping. God wants us to be vigilant. There's another thing about anchors I love. It says, make sure that your boat is well anchored and that the swivel is properly locked. Aaron, the swivel needs to be properly locked. Apparently that's, that's true. Because if we don't, um, we won't be able to detect the signs of dragging. And if you look back, you can see the people around you who might be dragging because they're not properly locked in with God. They're not properly anchored with God. They've got a couple of things that you, you can see that they're not fully on and they're not fully solid if it gets shaken. You can kind of see that they teeter and you can see that they kind of drift and come back around. That's our job. Our job is to help each other check their boats and check their anchors. The first step in anchoring is to select the proper anchor. <laughs> Amen. Um, let's go on to this one. Uh, anchor faith. The anchor must be the proper size, depending on the craft that you're anchoring it to. If it's too light, we've all heard about lightweight Christians who they just want to do church and be in the party scene of the church and have all the fun aspects of the church, but they don't want to do any of the heavy lifting of the church. They don't want to be on a team. They don't want to serve. They don't want to uh, you know, come early and stay late. They want to do what they want to do. And the Bible says that if you don't have the proper anchor, the right type of anchor for what you're doing in the church, you can drag the team down. You can drag the ministry division down or away from the vision that the pastors have given. It, things can rise up when you're not properly anchored to the vessel. And so I, wanna, I want you to be aware of the various types of boats in your harbor various types of families and people in your harbor and help your pastors by being aware of their anchor, being aware of their cable. And, and, and when you notice something, say something. Tell your pastors if you're noticing something or seeing something. Faith takes the pulse to make sure that the victim is still alive and making sure that the victim is going to survive the situations and the storms of life that come their way. Let's, uh, let's give you a, um, a definition. I'm going to give you a bunch of definitions. So just write down uh, the words. Number one, the word renewal. It means to make like new, to restore to freshness, perfection, or renew strength, to regenerate. In other words, you had it before, and now we're going to revive it or regenerate it again. And it's like, it's like it can happen again or it can come alive after death or it can, it can start up after a pause with renewed enthusiasm. Renewed enthusiasm. How many of you have a passport? Have you checked it lately? To check the expiration date? Yes. You might want to check the expiration date because you might need to renew it. You can't move around the world freely without a passport that's renewed. It's not like you have to get a new passport. You have a passport. You just have to renew it back to its original status that gives you freedom of access to travel freely around the world. And God wants to do that with you. He wants to renew your spirit and your soul so that you can travel freely in the body of Christ just like you did when you first got born again. The, the, the weight of the world... Uh, God doesn't want you to have that. He wants you to be renewed and refreshed so that you can travel again. Um, God wants to give you dreams. Let me give you the definition of the word dream. The word dream means a series of thoughts, images, 
and sensations that occur in a person's mind, and for the Christian, it rises up out of the spirit of man. It's a cherished aspiration, something you aspire to. You, you have a dream of something you want to do, and you cherish this ambition or this ideal. God's the one that placed those dreams in your heart. God's the one that gave you the idea. He's the one that imagineered it for you and then dropped it in you for you to go about and bring it to fruition. Again, God's not going to just hand you everything. He's going to give you everything, but you must possess it. He's going to give you a dream, and then you must, anchored with him, together with him, go out and make your dreams happen. If you don't take a step forward in faith, then the enemy will take a step forward with you backwards in faith. God wants us to go forwards in faith with dreams in our heart, with the plan that God has given us. He wants to lead us to fulfill our dreams. Write this down. Moving on to maturity in faith means that God's dreams will play over and over and over in your mind's eye. That they should play over and over and over in your mind's eye. Think on these things. Imagine them. You know, the Bible says, write down the vision or the dream to make it plain, to make it understandable. Like, write it all down. Get a, get a plan and then work the plan. What he wants you to do is to meditate on the dream as you're led by the word to fulfill it, you know? It's like Mexico. God said, go to Mexico. I don't know how to go to Mexico. I don't speak Spanish. I've never been in the nation. I don't know what to do. So I had to begin to write it down, get a plan of how am I going to get to Mexico. And then daily I just meditated on it. Lord, do you want us to do this? Like, like quit our jobs and sell everything? Yes, Rami, quit your job and sell everything. Well, that took, you know, about a month of processing to be sure that I had heard correctly. I write down what I believe God has said to me, journaling. You know, people have different names for what writing it all down. But journal it, right? The Lord speaks to you. And then he wants you to just meditate on it. Constantly bring it back up to yourself and speak it out again. And I, I'm a proponent of speaking everything out verbally. Don't just think it in your mind. Don't be the silent. I mean, you can meditate silently, but I think it's more effective for you personally if you speak it out to yourself. God, did you say sell everything and move to Mexico? And then you wait and you listen and he goes, yes, sell everything and move to Mexico. Speak it out of your spirit so you can hear yourself say it. Then write it down and begin to meditate on it over and over and over. Recognizing that God is always working and managing your life. Even though bad things happen to good people, God is in our boat. He will take us where we need to go. And what happens to other people should never be a deterrent for us. If someone else's canoe tips over, if their anchor gives way, if they lose their anchor in a storm, if they get shipwrecked or lost, what happens to their boat should never affect what we're doing with God in our boat. Everyone has their own personal anchor relationship with Jesus Christ, and they have the Spirit of God, the leading of the Holy Spirit, and they're responsible to follow that. Let me say that again, ladies, because I know as women, we take on the responsibility of others. You know, Starling and I had to, I, we were sisters, and sisters get on each other, you know, every once in a while. And she gets on me, and I get on her, and I say, stop doing that. Let them do that. Don't do that for that person. 
give them the word and make them do it. We can't live everybody else's lives as much as you want to. You cannot live their life. You can live your life and you can pray for them. And you can trust that God will restore their anchor or their cable or get their boat off the rocks or renew. You know, okay, you know what? We smashed up that boat. God, buy them a new boat. You know, God, God can do what we can't do. And he thinks bigger than we think. And if we think that someone's shipwrecked their life and there's no way out, you gotta stop, you gotta stop that. You gotta, you gotta believe the best for them without you taking on the care of their life. And as women, we do that far too often. We take on the cares of other people's life. We need to trust God. And I want to show you a little video clip, and I think you can click on it. Yeah. It's the trust challenge. And I wanna I want you to see this cute little thing and see, do I trust God? And ask yourself, do I trust God? If you click on that that slide, actual slide, will it play the video? No? Oh, bummer. All right, well. this boy, um, there's water in, in that bag, and what he's doing is that bag, it's a paper bag, and the paper bag represents the world. And he put water in the world, and the paper bag was holding the water pretty well for a while. But then suddenly there was drips, and there was drops, and there was, you know, problems. And then he said, now, here's here, that's the world, but now let's, let's look at Jesus, and it's like a Ziploc baggie. And he poured the water in the Ziploc baggie, zipped it up, and not only is he holding it, he's squishing it, he's throwing it up and down, it you know, goes everywhere, and it doesn't break, it doesn't leak. And then he said, now, even if you get attacked, and he, push, he pushes a pencil through the plastic bag, in one side, out the other side, no leaks, no drips, no nothing. And then he did it again with another pencil, and he's like, when you are with God, when you're trusting God, it doesn't mean that you're not going to have any pokes or attacks or, you know, dropping it. But even with the attacks, God is able to hold you together, keep you together, even when you're attacked. He just barely, the blue boy barely touched the bottom of that, that plastic or that paper bag, and the whole bag just fell apart. When you put your trust in the world or the ways of the world or the news of the world or the world system, one little touch on the bottom of a full bag, it's going to break the bag all the time. But when you're with God and anchored to him and he's with you, you'll take a hit and you'll keep on going because God is able to hold you together when you trust in him, when you know in whom you have believed. We've got to trust God in those moments when you feel like your anchor is not holding and you feel like you're slipping and drifting, it's kind of like Hannah in the Old Testament. She's got this husband who, you know, back in the day they had two wives. Why that it was even a thing, I don't know, Lord. We'll discuss that later. But she didn't have any babies and the other one did, right? And so she wants a baby. So she goes to God. Now watch this. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, turn in your Bibles with me and let's look at it. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10. And Hannah is walking with God, right? And she's feeling like she's not anchored. She's, she's crying out to God. She's facing a disappointment because she couldn't have kids. And she went to the house of the Lord to inquire of God, okay? Hannah's going to church, and she wants to talk to God. All right, so she gets to church in verse 10. It says, Hannah was in deep anguish, and she cried out bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. 
And she made this vow. Write that down. She made a vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. That's the vow. You give me a son, I'll give him back to you. And he'll be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. In other words, Samuel was a Nazarite. She made a vow. She wanted a baby, and she was willing to give him to the house of the Lord or to dedicate him to God to serve God. As she prayed to the Lord, Eli the priest, the pastor, the head honcho, was watching her. Seeing her lips moving but not hearing any sound, he thought she had been drinking. Must you come in here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I am a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. Do you guys see where Hannah is? She is having some issues. She's got anguish. She's got sorrow. She's discouraged. I mean, she's telling you all these things. He said, in that case, go in peace. Underline, go in peace. Go in peace. Now, who's talking here? Eli. Eli's who? The priest, the pastor, the leader of the church. In other words, Jesus didn't come down, an angel didn't come down and say, Thus saith the Lord, like he did to Mary. The priest said, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again and was no longer sad. So she's sad, she has sorrow, she has anguish, and she's got disappointment and discouragement. And suddenly, at the word of the Lord, her whole attitude changed. What happened? What made the difference, y'all? Anybody know? What made the difference? Yes, she got the word, but... Yeah, she believed the word. Somebody can give you a word all day, and you can go home sad and discouraged and disappointed and in anguish. The difference was she believed that when the man of God spoke the word, he, he, he spoke a word. He said, may the God of Israel grant your request. He prophesied over her to give her something, and she believed the man of God. And in that moment for her, it was done. She cheered up. She went home. Woohoo! this is going to happen. When your pastor's. When a traveling minister, when a woman or a man of God come to you and give you something from the Spirit of God, when they're inspired or when they're anointed, even if they're just, I mean, not even us, you know, that's, if it's just the Word, you know what I mean? Yeah. Quoting Scripture over you. Receive it. Believe it. And stand upon it the same way Hannah did. And you'll receive the same way Hannah did. Amen. God wants us to have encouragement. God wants us to be encouraged in the Lord and to know that our anchor in Him holds us steady. When the Word of God came forth, what she was like, well, it's just Eli the priest. He said it. I don't know if you can believe that guy. You know, his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they're a little bit, you know, weird. So I don't know. I don't know if this guy is all there. He said, don't worry, I'm going to have a baby. But who knows? He's just a man, right? If she didn't receive the word that way, she wouldn't have received anything. She trusted that when the man of God spoke, God's blessing over her, a declaration over her, to give her what she had cried out to God for. She's talking to God. God says, Eli, tell her it's done. 
and he speaks it over her and she believed that. Sometimes it's tough to believe what a human being speaks over you. We want the angel and the vision and the, you know, the, and then maybe we'll believe it. And God is saying, look, when your anchor is, is, is not holding you steady and you're in deep anguish and sorrow and you have need, and, and, and God sends you a lifeboat through a word by a preacher, by a human being, if, it, if that person is inspired by the Holy Ghost and you can tell, you know, hold on to that and say, God, you sent me Susie Q. And Susie Q said that you said. And so, Lord, I'm going to hold you accountable to what Susie Q told me. When you hold on to that, God will honor Susie Q's words to give you what you need. That's the God we serve so that you can trust that your anchor in God is real and it's tight and it's holding your ship steady. Hallelujah. God wants to give you promises. Jesus said, I am the door. I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. We have to believe that word in order to be saved. It's by faith. And Jesus was a man on the earth speaking God's word when he said it. And we have to believe by faith that God had anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the word of God and power. That, I mean, that's our, our whole life is based on the fact that he's God's son and he was raised from the dead. And that promise brings hope of refreshing. Hope of refreshing. Faith, patience, and promise. Let me give you the definition of patience. This is a really good one. Y'all write this one down. The capacity to accept or tolerate delay. To accept or tolerate delay or to tolerate trouble or to tolerate suffering without getting angry or upset. Woo! Let me say that again. Patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay or trouble or suffering without getting angry or upset. It's the ability to forbear, to restrain yourself from speaking negatively, from thinking negatively, to compose yourself with perseverance and resistance to that temptation to doubt God, not trust God, be angry at God, start grumbling and mumbling. Patience says, no, I'm going to resist that, and I'm going to be tenacious to say, I will have what I say. I'm going to anchor myself in patience on God's word. I don't care if it's like Sarah, who took, what, was it 10 years? She was 90 when God spoke, and she didn't have the baby until she was 100. Abraham was 90. I mean, she had to wait a while, and she had to be patient. And, and she was able to tolerate the delay. She was able to tolerate the suffering without being angry or upset. And God said, that's anchoring in my word. That's anchoring upon my promises. Trusting my promises to hold you steady. Hallelujah. God wants to hold us steady. Now let me give you this. You know what faith is. I just gave you patience. Let me give you promise. Here's the definition of promise. It's a declaration. What Eli did, he declared over Hannah. He said that the Lord of God will give you this. I declare it over you, basically is what he was doing. A promise is a declaration or assurance that one will do a particular thing or that that particular thing will happen. It's a promise. It's going to happen. It's an assurance. It's a vow, a guarantee, a covenant, a contract, a solemn promise, often invoking a divine witness. In other words, when Eli spoke over Hannah,
the divine witness, God, saw what he said. And he said, now I am bound to Hannah because of the witness of Eli's word to her. She's speaking in my name. Now I need to perform for Hannah. So that's what we can hold on to. That's an anchor for us. When a, a man or woman of God, or when we read the word of God, or when we're praying, we hear the rhema word of God in our hearts, we go, oh, I got a promise. Jesus said this, I heard it in my spirit. Or he said this, I saw it in the word. Or he said this, Susie, Susie, you told me. God is anchoring himself to you to complete his promises to you by divine covenant, agreement, or contract. And he's the divine witness. And he will bring it to pass. We have a hope, and I think it's in... Um, Slide down. This is Hebrews chapter 6. Go, go there in your Bible. Hebrews chapter 6. It, it's giving the example of Abraham again. But I want to slide down to um, verse 18. And this is still talking about the whole Abraham and Sarah thing. But look at verse 18. So God has given both his promise and his oath. He gave his word and he promised it. These two things are unchangeable because it's impossible for God to lie. Yes, yeah. Now, you might say, well, yeah, but a man can lie. A man can just fake me out and, 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 and just, you know, schmooze me. If that person is honestly seeking to follow the Holy Ghost on your behalf, to bless you with the word, or to minister to you as they're led by the Spirit, God is going to tie himself to that as the divine witness, and he's going to bring it to pass if you'll believe it. Yeah. So many times it's not the, the man or woman of God or the word of God that we see that failed us. It's our inability to believe that God could help a man help me. Yeah. And that's where we lose our faith because we don't see God anymore. We're just seeing Susie Q who brought me the word. Well, who's Susie Q? She's nobody. She's not anointed. What's Susie Q's word going to do for me? Susie Q came to you in earnest with a heart to love on you and to seek God and to bless you. So God's going to honor Susie Q's faith to bless you by bringing that word that Susie Q spoke to pass in your life. Can you guys see how God does that? He's the divine witness to make sure that what Susie Q said as she was led by the Holy Ghost, to make sure it does come to pass. He's not going to let his word through Susie's mouth fall to the ground if you'll believe it. It only falls to the ground when you don't believe it. If she hadn't believed Eli, oh, it's just Eli. His sons are drunkards and they're, they're extortionists in the temple. I'm not going to, I don't believe Eli. If she had acted that way, she wouldn't have received. But she believed the word and God honored it on her behalf. Verse 19. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Oh my gosh, no, go back to verse 18. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence, yeah. going back to Aaron, as we hold to this hope that lies before us. This hope that lies before us is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. And it leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Hallelujah. God holds us steady. Yeah. You know, I don't think my boat video is going to play either. We've got faith and patience equals promise, guys. 
Now this is a boat, and it's in a harbor, but it probably won't play either. Um, oh, there it goes. You got hit to play. Oh, man. Okay, but what you're seeing is, look, you can see it's moving, but not only is this boat anchored here, notice that this boat is also anchored back there. There's a line going back to the back. God keeps us anchored front and back. He goes before you to make a way before you, and he comes up behind you with goodness and mercy to protect you, to cover you, to make sure that no wolves come in and try to steal the promise out from underneath you. He is your rear guard. He goes before you, and he makes a way, and he holds you steady from behind by the Holy Ghost. He's got you covered if you'll believe. You see, it's belief. And you got to have patience to tolerate the waiting and the storm and the gale force winds and the whatever it is. The boat that unanchored itself next to you. Oh, my God, they unanchored and they're right next to me. No, hold steady. Hold steady. Trust God. Acts chapter 3, verse 16. And with this, I'm going to close for tonight. We'll pick this up tomorrow. Through faith in the name of Jesus... This man was healed. There was a man who was healed. He was a cripple. You know how crippled he was before. But faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Friends, I realize that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance, right? We know what you did. You didn't understand that this was the Son of God. But God was fulfilling what all the prophets had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer these things. Now, Repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. So that times of refreshing, say refreshing, Refreshing. can come from the presence of the Lord and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. In other words, he's saying, look, when we repent of our unbelief in the word of God or the provision of God or or God's way of making things right or the anchor or whatever it is. Repent of your unbelief. They didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. But he said, okay, he was. So now repent and turn back to God so that we can wipe away the past. And now we'll refresh you, make you new, invigorate you. And that invigoration will come from the presence of the Lord. And he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. For he must remain in heaven for a time until the final restoration of all things has come to pass as God has promised long ago through his holy prophets. Right there, God sneaks in restoration, refreshment in a prophecy. If we will believe the word of the Lord that is spoken over us or that we read or that we get through prayer, if we'll just hear it, he whispers to you in your spirit and you believe it. You just say, yes, Lord, I believe that. I'm just going to step out and believe it. Like she did. She didn't resist. She didn't retract. She just flowed with it. She said, yeah, I'm going to believe that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. And, and I grabbed all you guys out. You didn't be like, what are you doing? No, I don't want to go for it. Ah, don't tell me. No, they all just flowed. And they allowed me to orchestrate what I saw by the Spirit. I saw all of that during praise and worship. I saw the women's choir. I saw the harmonies of that song. I saw it begin to breathe forth the presence of the Holy Spirit. I saw baptisms in the Holy Ghost taking place. I saw people receiving. I saw you guys going and ministering. I saw a woman's choir, which you're going to be instrumental in helping Pastor Starlene get going. And it's not a woman's choir just for inside the church. It's a women's choir to do events. It's a women's choir to do events, kind of like the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. I mean, I saw a women's choir, big and powerful and bold and strong. I'm just saying, when you 
When you believe the things that God is speaking and you act upon them and you possess what he's given you, then you'll receive because you can't stop it. You'll receive because you can't stop it. What's in your heart? I can see it all over your face. I see your eyebrows going up. I see your, I, I see your forehead furring. What is it God is speaking? What is it that God is saying to you? Do you feel comfortable sharing it with us? Is there a place that you're called to be? When I first met you, I thought Russia. I know that sounds so weird. But I thought you were Russian, actually. I don't know what's in your heart, but there's something in your heart. And God is saying, I call it drop a depth charge. You know what a depth charge is? It's like a bomb that goes down below and explodes down below, and whatever's down below, it pushes it up. God wants to drop a depth charge in you to push up what's in your heart to the surface so you can go, oh, there it is. Okay, that's, that's, that's what I need. That's what I want. God is dropping depth charges in you. But he's asking you to ask yourself, what's in you? I'm, I want to bring that up and bring it to pass. I've seen it three times since I've been here this weekend. And every time I look at you, it comes back up to me. It comes back up to me. It comes back up to me. So God is saying, it's in there. Seek and bring it to the surface. And when you know, share with Pastor Starling. And she'll pray with you. She'll help you, direct you to accomplish that thing that God has given you to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You guys, I've said this before here, I'm sure. Everything that I do by the Spirit, all of you can do by the Spirit. If you just be willing to step up and out. God has anointed each and every one of us as as ministers of reconciliation. He leads each and every one of us. Like she was talking about, they go to the supermarket, and they're like, what aisle do I go down? You know, children's aisle, what? Oh, and there it is, and there it is. You know, you're like, oh, God, now i got to go and talk to that. You know, like, I love that. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to start. I don't even know what the name is. I wrote it down. We're going to do these mini evangelistic teams, and we're going to send them out to malls, markets, bookstores, Starbucks, parks. We're going to do mini evangelistic, you know, stuff. Stealth teams. I don't know what we're going to call it, but we're going to teach them and train them how to do it. Because it's time to start doing, church. We've got to start doing. If you see it, do it. If you see it, say it. If you hear it, give voice to it. Until you give voice to it, you haven't given birth to it. That baby's in there. you got to give voice to it and give birth to it. Buckle your seatbelt. We're, we're going to go for it today. Woo! I have never heard anyone receive an offering like that, and it's totally awesome. Can you write that down for me and pass that on? That was awesome. <laughs> well, we're just going to do a, a mini continuation this morning of what we started to talk about yesterday, which was anchors, and it's anchor faith, your faith in God. Your faith being anchored in God, not in stuff, not in people, not in situations, circumstances, not in offerings, not in your paycheck. Can I get an amen from somebody? Anchoring in God, and he will hold your boat steady. Hallelujah. I want to start with the slide that says, anchor maintains your stability. 
Jesus was always pointing to this time, ladies, the end of the end of days. He was always moving his church towards this time and, and turning up their knob of expectancy of what we should be doing before the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. And he prophesied and he spoke to us and said, it's going to get rough. The oceans are going to kick up a storm yeah. and the rivers are going to freak out and overflow their banks. But you hold steady in the midst of the storm. Yeah. Today, nothing's politically correct much less the Bible, the greatest book ever written. Nothing is sacred anymore, not even the Bible, which is holy forevermore. Your word, your church, your values, your worldview is not sacred anymore. And the world profanes that which is good and celebrates that which is evil. We've entered into the last of the last days. The signs of the times are all around us. They call that which is good, they call it evil. Yeah. That which we know to be evil and debase against the word of God, they call that good and yeah. right and yeah. true. Yeah. And we have to see truth for what it is. Otherwise, we cannot be anchored in the one who said, I am the truth, I am the way, and I am the life. If your truth is fluid, then you cannot anchor. You know, I, I was praying this morning. Honey, I, I asked you to help me remember that phrase when I was in the bathroom. I was praying and I was meditating. And uh, do you remember? You got to help me, baby. This is my husband, Tim Rogers. Can you all give me a round of applause? Um, shoot. Oh, I know. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Holy Hope goes help me. You have, you have a man-made construct or idea. You have a man. The world has a man-made ideal, a construct, a, 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 a thing, right? But we have a God-given covenant. You and I don't live by a construct. Our view of Christianity and Jesus is not a man-made construct. It's not some philosophy, highfalutin idea that somebody came up with. God gave us a covenant that anchors us to truth and faith in the absolute unmovable truth of God will hold you steady, absolutely unmovable in a world that wants to be fluid like this river. I, I keep watching this little river, the uh, E. coli river. E. coli. <laughs> the E. coli river continually, look at it, it continually floods and dumps into the ocean and yet the ocean waves beat it back and beat it back. And this little river is not going to change the, 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 the pattern or the, the structure of that ocean. No matter how long it flows into it, it's not going to change that ocean because that ocean keeps beating it back into its place. And faith in God, anchoring in God, knowing what, what scripture to stand on for what you need. When Greg was in his situation, they needed to stand on the scripture of healing and restoration for a broken back. You might be having a marital situation, and you've got to stand on scriptures that talk about reconciliation within the yeah. family unit. Yeah. Whatever you're facing, whatever the storm, whatever the season, there's a scripture that is your anchor. And I showed a slide uh, earlier, Pastor Greg, and I don't know if we can find it, where there's many types of anchors. It's like a list of the types of anchors and kind of what they do. Yeah, there it is. You know, there's all kinds of anchors, and each one has a specific function. It has a specific way that it hooks into that thing 
that you're anchoring onto um, so that you cannot be moved off of the thing you're anchored onto. If you're anchored onto scriptures for healing, find your anchor. Find your scriptures. Brother Hagin said it all the time. What scripture are you standing on? Amen. What anchor have you thrown onto the rock, which is Jesus Christ, and grabbed into him, and your cord is holding you firm in the midst of the storm? You've got to know the truth, the hope in which you believe. Otherwise, it's just fairy tales. God's anchor maintains our stability, and we're living in an accelerated time. This world is ramping up, and we've got to be ready for when God calls on us, like Pastor Starlene. She's got wanting to snuggle in and do her jammies and edit, and the Holy Ghost says, no, get up, get ready. Get up, get ready. She's like, why? I'm snuggling. My husband's out. No. She could have fought that. She could have just blown it off so easily. So easily. I had a similar situation. I'm in my, um, my mother-in-law's house. It's uh, like late at night. And I'm getting ready to take off my makeup. And once my makeup is off, I don't see nobody. <laughs> I don't even answer the door for the postman without makeup on. And so I'm getting ready. And the Lord knows this. He knows me. He goes, she's not moving if she takes her makeup off. So i got to get to her before she does. So all of a sudden, I'm getting ready to go in and take off my makeup. And I see a text from Roy Cogsall, some good friends of ours. And they said, Dylan has had an accident. Pray. And I began to pray, and the, uh, the Holy Ghost said, don't pray. Get up and go to the hospital now. Yes, sir, I'm going. I go to the hospital. I enter into the emergency room, waiting room, and there's Pastor and Mrs. Hagen. There's Roy and Jill, and they're waiting for news on their son. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit dropped some things in me. I knew. I knew that I knew that I knew. But we maintain an anchor and a hope in God. And I'll never forget, as I'm standing there in that waiting room, the Lord said, you stay here and be an anchor for your friend. Be an anchor for your friend in her time of need. There was a women's conference going on, and the Lord said, you're going to stay in this room, and you're not going home. You're going to sleep here tonight. You're going to stay in your clothes, and you're going to pray in the Spirit, and you're going to be an anchor because she's going to need an anchor. And I stayed in that waiting room through all of Kindle Flame that year. Praying for my friend who was going to need support because the Lord already knew what was coming for my friend. And that's what God is saying. If you're not listening, if you don't have the proper anchor in the proper scriptures, and if you're not tuned in to the channel of the Holy Ghost, anchored into Him, you know, you're praying in the Holy Ghost. I kind of liken it to this. You're, it's like an old fashioned radio where you're trying to find this, the dial, and it's like, and all of a sudden it's like you hear the music yeah. praying in tongues is like yeah. suddenly you're on it you're like God what am I praying about I don't know but I don't know what this is Lord but and all of a sudden you're there and you're entering into a spiritual dimension remember I talked about the doors it's like those doors you're, you're in the natural and you open a door into the heavenly realm and you don't understand it and you can't make yeah. sense of it, but you're anchored in faith yeah. to step through the open door. Yeah. How many songs have we sung today about Jesus and freedom and the open doors? I mean, the song list for this conference was perfect. Orchestrated by the Holy Ghost. Woo! God is telling us through song, through words, through friends, tune in, anchor in. 
Plant yourself in me. You're going to need to be planted in me for what's coming. You think COVID was something? <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. This is just the beta testing for what's fixing to roll out by the enemy in these last of the last days. And you saw what the church did. You saw how the people were, you know, you smite the shepherd and the sheep scatter. Hello. You smite the world. This was the first worldwide pandemic to such a degree where the whole world froze. That's never happened before. We've had continents freeze. We've had... You know, states freeze, nations freeze. But we've never had the world freeze like this. Yeah. This was wave one. And we're called, my third point, let me give you my points because you know me. I kind of go cray cray. Number one point, anchor faith. Okay, that was my first point I gave you, anchor faith. You got that one. Point number two that I got to last night, but I don't know if I was super clear because I was giving you definitions. Point number two is God's promises bring hope and refreshing. We touched on it at the very end of my message. When I was talking about Jesus said, I'm the door, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. We must wait on the Lord, not with freaking out, but with joy, yeah. with joy, yeah. and trust that our anchor is anchored into something amazing, and we're not going to be moved. No matter if a thousand fall on my left and ten thousand on my right, I'm not going to be moved. And people can leave me, and they can flee, and they can freak out, and I'm not going to. I'm going to stay stable and strong in Christ. So God promises. We just sang about it. They bring a refreshing. I've got a promise, and it, you know what I mean? I love that song. Woo! Hebrews chapter 6, we talked about that last night. That's what I ended with. That they stood strong on the promise of God. And not for a year. But for over 10 years, they had to wait. Faith, patience, obtains the promise. And patient waiting means to be a capacity to accept or tolerate delay. Not defeat, delay. Right. Or trouble or suffering without getting angry or upset. Being strong and persevering. Resisting the temptations of the enemy to doubt God. And when your anchor holds you in the sand and it drags in the sand so that you can keep moving forward but with stability, that's one anchor. It's dragging in the sand to hold you grounded to something with stability, but you can still move forward. And when God says, hold on to me and don't move, you, you check into the rock. There's different ways of anchoring into God for specific things he wants to do with you and for you or through you to someone. Glory to God. Faith, patience, and promise. And I, I gave you the definition of promise last night, didn't I? Yeah. Promise is a declaration or assurance that one will do a particular thing and that that particular thing will happen. It's an assurance, a guarantee, a vow, a covenant, a contract, a legal and binding contract. The world has constructs. They can say what they want. They're going to force you to say what they want you to say. They're going to force you to believe something that is not true. Right. You all know what we're talking about here. Yeah. It's everywhere. It's my truth. It's my reality. Well, your truth and your reality is built on shifting sands. Yeah. Right. Our truth and our reality is built on Jesus Christ. Yeah. And it's a covenant. It's a contract. It's legal and binding, guaranteeing our success. Yeah. Amen. And God's going to keep his word, like I told you last night, to you. 
Glory to God. Verse 19 of Hebrews chapter 6. This hope is strong and trustworthy. It's an anchor for our souls. Yeah. This trust leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Hallelujah. Jesus has done it. Our boat holds steady in the storm and in the harbor. Yeah. Through faith in the name of Jesus. Listen to that. Acts chapter 3, verse 16. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. Hallelujah. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Woo! God is the anchor of our soul. And the restoration of all things is what Christ died for. He died to renew you, refresh you, and restore you back to the place you had with him in the Garden of Eden. We were rulers in the Garden of Eden. We were the head. We were in charge of everything. God gave it all to us to rule and reign. And God has restored us back to a place of ruling and reigning with him. And you have a crown on your head, adjust it, honey. Sit up straight and get busy doing the work of God. Turn off the news. I haven't watched a certain channel since election day. I refuse. I will not. And I haven't missed it one bit. Not one bit. Turn off social media if you need to. If you're not preaching the gospel on social media and if all you're doing is doing social gossiping and social, you know, stalking, turn it off. And turn on the Bible app on your YouTube version and crank up scriptures. And spend time, two hours and 40 minutes a day, tithing your worship to God. I listen, I love, for me, I, 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 I'm one of those people that I have all of the, the learning things. I have to have all of them operating for it to actually drop down in me. So I have my Bible app on, I listen to it, then I watch it scroll by, and then I'm saying it back to myself again, like I'm getting involved in it. I have to do the whole package for it to really get in me. I recommend you do it. I recommend you turn off Netflix and turn on version and find some awesome movie about Jesus and fill your eye gates with power. Because you're going to need that power that you, whatever you put in, is all you can get out. You have a bank. His name is Jesus Christ. He's a guaranteed bank. He's a surety bank. And whatever you deposit in him, you will be able to withdraw when you need it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm just as guilty as the next person. I love to binge on movies late at night. But I do it late at night before bed. I've already done all my serving of the Lord. And I've done all my due diligence. Yeah. And before I nod off, I might put on a Netflix or I might put on the Bible app and go to sleep listening to something. But I'm not taking up valuable time in my day. When I can interact with human beings to be binging on something that keeps me a hermit in my house. Get up and get out of your houses and go look for something to do for the kingdom of God. You're a masterpiece. Write this down. You're a masterpiece created in the image and the likeness of God. And we've got a call to persevere in this time. God's restored you. Let me give you you this definition about perseverance. Perseverance. And then I want to tell you a story about uh, masterpiece, uh, masterpieces of artwork being restored. Persevering, sorry, I can't find my, my definition. I'll get it for you. I can't find it where it is now. But let me give you this story. Damaged artwork is more valuable after it's been restored. 
Because the re process of restoration and the meticulous craftsmanship of a craftsman to take something that was damaged, and, and, and after this I've got a picture of some damaged artwork. You, well, you're restored by God, so trust God. Only he can bring healing into your broken lives. Um, keep going. Uh, there's a... Okay, look, I love this. You are treasured hidden in Christ. That's my nephew and my niece. It's their wedding photo. Isn't that awesome? But that's how you look in Jesus' arms. He stands over you to protect you. And you're veiled with his glory. And as you lean into him, he makes you look radiant. You're not looking at my nephew. You're looking at her veil. You're looking at her. You're looking at how he tenderly holds her. That's how Jesus tenderly holds you. That's how Jesus is hugging you right now. That's how you look in Christ. How many of you the next one? There it is. Before. This was master artwork, but it was damaged over time, or somebody mistreated it, or somebody was harsh with it, or it didn't get the care that it deserved, and it cracked. And after the cracks, it broke through. Maybe your life, like Pastor Starling said, maybe you're here because you're brokenhearted. You're the lady that came here saying, I'm done. When I go home, I'm packing my bags and I'm out. Or maybe you're here desperately crying out for God to be mended in your soul, to be renewed and refreshed in your spirit. And that's what you look like after you have neglect, abuse, uncared for, unprotected. Somebody didn't protect you and they nicked you. Somebody was vile and they cut and slashed you. And somebody just ignored you, left you to dry up and crack. But when a master restoration craftsman comes on the scene, that's the same photo, restored masterfully. And it's better than it was before because, it's more valuable than it was before, because the master restorer put his hands and skill and time and investment into the piece. That's what makes it more valuable. <laughs> A piece that is untouched and just un, un yeah, uncherished, un, un, I don't know what the word is it, I'm thinking of it in my head. It's valuable, but it's not as valuable as one that's been masterfully cared for and restored. Yeah. In the art world community, that is the truth. Hallelujah. We've been masterfully renewed, refreshed, and restored by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the care of the Holy Spirit and the body. Don't forget, the Holy Spirit works through us for each other. Yeah. There's, a, there's a scarlet web and a, a thread that wheels through each of us and knits us together individually, but corporately, so that we can help each other mend and heal and be restored. Yes, can God speak to you just on his own? Absolutely. Can he speak to you through the rhema word in your prayer time? Absolutely. Can he, can he go through the logos? Absolutely. But like I said yesterday, he can go through Susie Q. Yeah. Susie Q can minister to you when you're intimately connected by the scarlet thread of the love of Jesus. And that sister can masterfully help restore bits and pieces of your soul if you'll believe that through her, God is touching me. Yeah. Through them, God is ministering yeah. to me. And we're called to persevere through the damage, through the pain, to come out on the other side. And I'm going to finish this portion of it and we'll go on to the next one. With this, the Hebrew children came out of the fiery furnace without the smell of smoke, no burns, completely restored to their original position before they went into the fire. But one thing changed them. They were different when they came out of the fire. 
and God used their difference to propel their fame. And the fame of them went throughout the whole nation. These guys were thrown into a fiery furnace, and they came out on the other side without the smell of smoke on them because they were anchored in their creator. No matter what you do, king, we're not going to bow. If we have to go into the fire, we're going into the fire. And if we perish, we perish. Can we all say that we've had that conversation? Yes. Have we had that conversation like Esther did? Like the three Hebrew children did? Like Daniel did? Where, where we, we hear the edicts and we hear the rules and we hear the regulations that violate the rules and the regulations? Yes. And we're meant to bow to that? No. None of them bowed to that, by the way. No. And, and, and Daniel, I'm just going to say this by the Holy Ghost, Pastor, and you can edit it out if you want to. <laughs> Daniel did not go back to his room after hearing the edict, government official, by the way, no. heard the edict. He didn't go back to his room and pray out of defiance and rebellion to the new rules. No, he didn't. The Bible says that Daniel went back to his room and prayed and worshiped God and gathered together like he had always done out of obedience and honor yes. to the word of God. Yes. Doing what he's always done yes. as commanded by the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. So here's the question again. Have you had the conversation with yourself that you're going to stand up for this gospel mm -hmm. yep. as the Holy Spirit leads Okay, and, and we're not going to be mouth monitors or mask monitors. That's right. We're going to be Holy Ghost led and compassionate with other people who might not be where we are. Amen. Right. I am fully persuaded and convinced about what I'm saying. But yet I humble myself, like Paul said, yeah. and if eating meat in your presence would offend you, I'm not going to eat meat in your presence. Yeah. Right. And if wearing a mask would offend this place and create a problem that I couldn't preach the gospel, I can put a mask on in an airplane, which I did for you. And I can put a mask on, on my face to walk in and out of a hotel for you yep. because you're worth it to be able to preach the gospel to you. Right. If you have a problem with that, I suggest you take it up with the Holy Ghost. Amen. So don't be judging people for where they're at. Some people are maybe out of bounds in a ditch on one side or the other. Don't judge them either. Pray yes. for them to yeah. get balanced. Yeah. But to see, this isn't the mark of the beast yet. And when that day comes, we'll all make the proper choice. That's right. Hopefully we'll all be raptured out of here before that. Amen. I believe we will. Yes. But I'm saying, in the meantime, do whatever it takes to allow you to preach the gospel. Yes. Persevere under the pressure. I hate my mask. I yes. hate it. But I do it and submit to it at certain times to be able to be in a position to preach the gospel. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And to touch people's lives and to travel freely about the country so that the gospel can go forth. So don't judge anyone on either side of the coin. Be compassionate. Be balanced. Be above the pettiness of stuff. And persevere with love and compassion for people. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter into heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into a holy place, stepping into a door in the spirit, coming out on the other side. That's what he's talking about. And since we have this great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts. Fully trusting him. I need a tissue. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood. Thank you. 
to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. So don't allow, like Pastor Starling said, the guilty conscience of your past failures and problems and judgments or secrets hinder you. Bring them to the light and let the light expose them and burn them up. And then walk away from them and do good. Don't let guilt cause you to feel shameful about your past. Amen. We all have a past. Yeah. But God calls us to walk into the light. Yeah. And the song we sang today it says, um, um, Come out of the darkness and into the light. Right. Putting all that behind you, leaving it behind you and moving forward. Pressing in. So don't let secrets hinder you from moving forward. Let that anchor hold you in the sand and steady your boat as you move forward with Christ. And I want to talk about now uh, one more thing as we close. And I don't know, what time do you want me to finish, Star? Pastor? 5 p.m. 5 p.m., okay. <laughs> what time? Okay, got five minutes. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Okay. I may or may not get to much of this other one, but let's go to the next uh, PowerPoint presentation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move over to this because I feel it's, well, it's the two messages the Lord gave me. Anchor faith is necessary to be anchored in truth, and we have to embrace truth and stand up for truth, you see, because the world is going to want you to bow to the false narratives that they're putting out there. And they're putting these false narratives out there, these small little Little ones, you know, to see how many people are going to be easily, you know, how many can we just, okay, we got you, okay, now what about you people? You are a little bit, you know, rebellious. You don't quite follow our agenda here. Let me just hone in on you. Let's let's make it a little bit harder for you people because you're a problem for me, right? That's what the devil's thinking. And so in order for revival to break out, you have to be on a quest for God's glory. But if you don't have the anchor of your soul in truth, and you're not anchored on the word in truth, and if you're not prepared to uphold this, like the apostles of old and the and the believers uh, in the in the New Testament church were willing to lay down their life, Peter was crucified upside down, would not renounce the name of Jesus. They were beheaded, they were thrown in prisons, they were treated terribly for the cause of Christ. And if you think for one minute that somebody would be crucified upside down for a lie, well then you got another thing coming. Yeah. They're not going to allow themselves to be crucified for something that they think is a lie or that they know is a lie. Right. And so because we know it's true, are we willing to lay down our life, lock, stock, and barrel, to stand up for the truth of this word? When the time comes, push comes to shove, when they start, you know, and it's already started, you've seen it. They're already starting to attack the word. Yeah. And so what are we going to do collectively as the body of Christ? If we want revival, God says, number one, write this down, collectively, we have to prepare ourselves in prayer. I'm going to open up my other, um, my other sermon while you write that down. We're going to begin a quest for God's glory by entering into prayer. And I mean prayer like on steroids, like you've never prayed before in your life. Because Christians are a positive influence in a negative world. And we have to be influencing the world what we have is truth and life and as they say you know the, the the pandemic is contagious you know to some degree uh we need the gospel to become contagious yeah. we need to we need to infect everyone we know with the gospel of the lord jesus christ 
You don't have to look very far to see that the world is influenced, uh, under the influence of the Antichrist. The spirit of Antichrist is moving faster than you and I can keep up, faster than iPhones change <laughs> operating <laughs> systems. And that's pretty fast. But Christians have to be a positive influence in a negative world. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Jesus brought us the good news in the midst of bad news. And under revival's influence, we can and will possess these promises we've been talking about because we're choosing to live in a realm of forgiveness and tolerance with the body as they grow to maturity. Not a tolerance of sin. People don't get born again and, and, and repent from their sin and then bring their sin into the church just because we become born again. Nobody does that. We have to renounce it and become transformed Amen. by the power of God for the influence of God's word to possess us. Matthew 5, 13. We are the salt of the earth. We bring out the flavor. Listen, we bring out the flavor of heaven on earth. If we don't, what good are we for the kingdom? God's peace needs to be your peace. How is God's peace? Like we've heard, you know, he was in the back of a boat sleeping on a storm. And he didn't even be woken by the storm. Like he, surely he felt it. Surely he's not that hard a sleeper. Like <laughs> surely he felt this. But he wasn't concerned because his word had already gone forth. Yeah. We're going to the other side. And nothing and no one is going to stop us. And Christians have to see that we're going to go to the other side. We're going to make heaven and not hell. But we got to take a lot of people with us by being a positive influence in the world and not petty and nitpicky and infighting with each other. We've got to have the promise of God and the peace of God and the maturity of God to help people see that God is moving and you know, in, in court, is there any lawyers in the house? Or anybody that knows about, you know, pleading cases? Defense lawyers and, and prosecuting attorneys, each of them have a side of a case. And when you listen to this guy tell his side, you're like, oh, for sure, that's totally the truth. That's totally the truth. And then this guy gives his version, you're like, oh, snap. Maybe, oh, oh, maybe, you know. So there, there's two sides to everything. And that's why you don't... You cannot play with this, you see. You, you must know absolute truth. Yeah, that's right. My father-in-law, who's with Jesus now, was a Homeland Security officer. And he was the Homeland Security officer for Oklahoma, the Treasury Department. So he was where they make the money. And he said that the experts there, they don't study um, all the new money. They don't just memorize all the new monies to, to be able to see what, whether there's a fault to bill or not. They spend all their time studying the real. They don't study every false bill that somebody's going to invent. Because the minute you get all of them, somebody's going to invent another one, and now you're, you're, you're behind the eight ball. They study the real so much so, every detail of it, they etch it into their spirits, into their minds, into their hearts, so that anything that passes by quickly, they just go, oh, no, that's false. So obvious. Because they've studied the real. We have to study the real. So that anything false that comes along, it's like a no-brainer. Oh, no, that's not what the scripture says. I know what the scripture says. Because the enemy's a master at twisting scripture to fit the narrative. They're twisting scripture to fit a narrative. 
And Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free from the lies of the enemy. You have to know the promises in order to have peace that what you stand on is truth. The rock, the anchor, you're anchored to the truth. You're anchored to haystack. It's not going to be moved easily in a storm. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. Don't worry or have anxiety about anything. But in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer, write that down. By prayer, by petition, by definite request. He's giving you options here. Listen. He's saying don't worry or be anxious about what's coming. But with every circumstance and in everything, pray, petition, make a definite request with thanksgiving and continue to make your desire known to God. Don't just say it once. Continue. God, this is what I'm saying. God, this is what I'm asking. God, this is what I'm declaring. This is your word, Lord. Bring it to pass, Father. You know what I mean? And God says, okay, Susie Q, you've declared my word. Now I'm going to make that happen for you. I'm going to make that happen and change the whole city. We have to continually declare and pray and make definite requests. If you're one of those girls, oh, it's like God knows. I don't have to ask specifically. It feels so selfish, doesn't it? To ask specifically. No, ask specifically. God needs you to. He needs you to be so in tune with him that you specifically ask for something so that you'll know specifically that you've received it. When you get into practice with these things, then revival can begin. Revival can't even begin until we get in one accord in these things. Praying and laying down a foundation. And then when we come together and continually lift that back up. No, Lord, we need revival. No, Lord, we need no mask mandates in this state. Lord, you know, there's 80 million states that don't, and we and our state needs it too, Lord. Oh, but no, we're in the Northwest. No, don't do that. Don't bend to the narrative and the constraint of somebody else. Stay with what you want. The freedom in Christ that we have. The truth in Christ that we have. Continue to declare that. Don't bend to the enemy or you'll never see revival. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And don't let that person think they'll get anything. Oh, Lord, we want revival, but oh, my God, we're so afraid. Let's do that. Oh, God, but come on, Jesus, miracles, signs, and wonders. But I can't do anything because then... No revival's coming. Yeah, right. No revival's coming. You cancel yourself out every time. Continually declare. Continually position. Declare and, 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 and define your position. And when you're and you're gonna meet with resistance. Like people, um, uh, come here. People are not just gonna let you push them around. And I've given this illustration before, but it's one of my favorites. You know, if, if you're just hanging out, I can just push you around, and, and you, you have to back up and backtrack, and you're not stable, and you're like this, and you know, you're, you're like this. But if you are planted, okay, plant yourself, sisterhood. And I push. If you're, if you're doing that, because the enemy's going to do what I'm doing to her. He was pushing us around for a while there. But then we planted ourselves on something. We anchored ourselves to something. We said, no more, enemy. We're not taking it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Now she's pushing on me. Love it. Come on, girl. You know what I mean? But that's the deal. The enemy's going to push you as much as you will let him. When are you going to push back? I stole her phone yesterday. She was going to let me walk around for an hour with her. I know you were. 
But when but I'm acting like the devil, you don't need to be respectful. You just take authority. That's, right. That's what the devil is yes. saying. He's like, Christians are so nice. They're they're pushovers. Yeah. Christians are so nice, they'll do whatever we tell them to do. They're like sheep to the slaughter. The devil believes that, you know. And that's what he's pushing. But if we want revival to break out, we've got to do the word of God. Verse 7. When you do that, God's peace shall be yours. Yeah. It's a tranquil state of your soul, assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing mm -hmm. from God and being content with whatever the situation is in the world, and there's lots of them coming, in the midst of it, we're content, we're peaceful, we're stable, we're all right. Not that we're uh, flotando y cooperando. We're not just cooperating and floating along with them. No, 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 no. In the midst, I hold my position and let it swirl around me, but I will not be moved. Yeah, let it swirl around me, but I will not become the ugly Christian, the mean Christian, the weak Christian, yeah. the you know the wimpy Christian yeah. who doesn't know really what they believe. They just want to please everybody. Yeah. Forget that. Forget pleasing everybody. Yeah. You can't as a Christian. And you won't, the Bible says. Please God. Please God. Please God. Just choose God. And let everybody else deal with themselves. You, you can't please everybody. And God's peace shall be yours. A tranquil state of your soul. Assured in your salvation through Christ. And so you'll fear nothing from God and being content with your earthly situation, whatever that is, God's peace will transcend all things and mount garrison around your heart and guard your heart and your mind yes. in Christ so that whatever they say or do will not affect you Amen. and knock you off of your anchor. That's what the scripture is saying. Psalm 91, 7, a thousand will fall at your side and 10,000 are dying around you, but these evils will not touch you. Amen. If you're anchored to haystack, get a picture of haystack as Christ. There is nothing that's going to affect a haystack. Do you see what I'm saying? Like none of the water swirling around it, no matter how big that wave gets, is going to knock that rock over. It's not going to do it. And nothing's going to knock you off of your task for the Lord. In battle, I want to say this again because I know a lot of people ask why, you know. Why when this happens and why when that happens and why God, why God, why? And I would just say stop asking why. Focus on revival. Don't focus on the minutia of what the enemy is doing. It's like, it's like you know, we want revival and we're focused on where this river meets the sea and the minutia that it creates. No, focus on that. Focus out there. Don't focus on the little stirrings that the enemy brings up. The time is now to stoke the fires of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers so that they will go out and plant the seeds of the gospel into the open hearts of the people who are crying out for help. The time is now when the ground is ready to receive the seed of the good news of Jesus Christ, that he saves, he heals, and he delivers. Amen. He saves, he heals, and he delivers. I want to give you a couple of scriptures, and then we're going to stop and pray. John chapter 14, all of it. John chapter 15, all of it. Hebrews chapter 4, from verse 16 to chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to read that one to you. 
Without wavering, let us hold tightly to the hope we have, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Think of ways to encourage one another to outbursts, love that, to outbursts of love and good deeds. And let us not neglect, pay attention to me, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some yes, people do, some do, but encourage and warn each other, especially now that the day of his coming back again is drawing near. Yeah. Warn them to anchor on the rock. Warn them to gather together to study scripture. Warn them to begin to come together in prayer. Yeah. And just pray in the spirit. Just, you know, like I almost wanted to just have you all come down here. Let's just start praying in the spirit. Maybe let's do that for a little bit to end out. Yeah. Maybe we should do that. Yeah. Maybe yeah. we will do that. We will do that. <laughs> Point number two, write this down because I'm not going to get to this message at all. Passion. You've got to understand passion for Christ. Uh, uh, can you put the picture? Yes. You've got to understand the passion. Yeah. Do you mind if I go over because I need to go over, Star? He went through that, and that's nothing. If you watch that movie, he didn't take near 40 stripes with a lead tip whip. The Bible says that he was so disfigured he didn't look human. That's right. He was so disfigured by what he took on him that you couldn't tell it was a human being. So that movie, and I couldn't watch it. I bawled through this scene, as we all did. Not even close to the 40 lashes he actually took for us. He was passionate to go through that for you. Are you passionate to get on your knees for him? And to begin to call out for revival? We're on a quest for God's glory, and we're watching the signs and the wonders all around us. But are we passionate enough to be poured out for him on our knees for a lost and dying world? A world that, quite frankly, that we find repugnant. A world that we, that we, that we, we don't want to associate with the people in the world because of their, their, the dirtiness of their sin. But he did that for them, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we can have our Christian club, but that's really not what God's calling us to do. He's calling us for revival, to reach the unsaved. Not to bring them in along with their sin. They're to leave their sin at the door yeah. and enter into yeah. new life and renewed life and restored life yes. and refreshed life. You don't bring that dirt into the house of God. You leave it at the door and you follow the ways of God with forgiveness and grace and mercy and peace. And he changes you. He changes you to what you were originally in him in the Garden of Eden. That's passion for revival, passion for souls. How did God express his passion for you? How did Paul express his passion for the church? Philippians 3, we'll end with this, and then we are going to come down and pray. Though I could have confidence in my own efforts, said the apostle, because I'm quite the super apostle, basically. If anyone could, indeed I could, if others have a reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more confidence in mine. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blood citizen of Israel. I'm a member of the tribe of Benjamin. I am a real Hebrew if there ever was one, honey. This is what Paul's saying. I was a member of the Pharisees, the very best, who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. And I was zealous, so zealous, in fact, that I persecuted the church. And as far as righteousness, I've obeyed everything without fault, people. I am a super apostle, just so you know. This is Paul talking. I once thought these things were so valuable. I once thought that my position and all my accomplishments were so chido, so cool. He said, and now I consider them nothing. I consider them nothing 
for the cause of Christ. They're worthless, worthless because of what Christ has done for me. He filled me. That's a guy filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. And God has filled me. And now these things that I once thought were so amazing and I was so bad, they're nothing compared to the infinite value. Write that down. The infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, and for his sake, for his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it as garbage, so that all I can focus on now is Christ. When I came out of my past and my pursuits that I wanted to do, I felt filthy dirty. And I chose to see myself for who I was in the world. I didn't sugarcoat what I'd done. I didn't sugarcoat who I'd become. I didn't sugarcoat how I lived my life. I, I confronted a reality. And then I made a choice right there to turn from it and leave it behind and move into something new. Many people today want to bring their past with them and they want it to be accepted. And they want it to be brought into the house of God. It cannot be and have revival. It cannot be and have revival. He said, be thou holy as I am holy. And then we will see the revivals of God. Now, it doesn't matter. Let me just say this. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been. It doesn't matter. All of that can be renewed by faith in Christ and turning from that. And as we gather down here now, why don't you just come down while I'm talking? Just come down and find a piece of carpet on your knees. We're just going to pray in the Spirit. For as long as the Spirit would have us, and Pastor Starling, I'll have you direct this portion.